0: our Bibles to Revelation 18. We've been going through Revelation for some months now. You may remember that I warned you early on that the first six chapters and the last three chapters are relatively easier to understand, but 17 to 18 are very difficult. So today... We finish one of the hard chapters, and next week, one of the easier chapters. The theme of this chapter is similar to the previous one. Last week, we were introduced to this evil system called Mystery Babylon, the Great, the Mother of Harlots. And I mentioned that there are a number of guesses as to who it or she is, And the most popular ones are that this was the Roman Empire in the day of John when he wrote this, or as most of the Protestant reformers and others said, it was a prediction of the rise of Roman Catholicism. And then others say this is a system that has not yet arisen, and I lean in that direction. But whatever Mystery Babylon was, is, or will be, what this chapter says is it's doomed to destruction. Mystery Babylon is symbolic of some sinful worldwide empire that persecutes Christians, is wealthy, it supports the Antichrist, it's evil, and it's doomed to destruction. Now, in a way, that would apply to the Roman Empire, which has already fallen. Catholicism hasn't fallen yet, but it has persecuted Christians. And then the future Antichrist kingdom of mystery Babylon is yet to arise. It's an evil system around the world. The great Augustine wrote his masterpiece entitled The City of God, and in it he says, throughout history there are two cities, as it were, the city of man, governed by the devil, and the city of God, of course, governed by by God. And that Christians were born in one and then God took them out and put them in the other. We're in the city of God. But yet we're still moving in the city of man that is doomed to destruction. John Calvin picked up on that and said we're in two kingdoms. There's the political social realm and economics and education and so forth. And then there's the invisible kingdom of God. And Christians have their citizenship in that but yet they're still citizens on earth, but they have to be like salt and light for good in the kingdom of man without letting it infect them and lead them into sin. So these are various analogies based upon what the Bible says about mystery Babylon. Look at chapter 18, verse 2, after the angel cries out and says, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen. And it's become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. Now, uh, when Jews in John's day read this, they would immediately, or they should immediately remember ancient Babylon and how it had conquered Israel, taken away the Jews as slaves, and then God sent prophets to rebuke Babylon with these very words, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the Great. This great empire it's going to come crashing down and it did. And so God uses that as a picture in Revelation to say this evil satanic kingdom will fall just like ancient Babylon fell. You could say the bigger they come, the harder they fall. And all the kingdoms of the devil and of mankind will crumble one day only one kingdom will remain standing, the city of God, the kingdom of God. The bigger they come, the harder they fall. Just like Goliath. Fell with a thud, and I imagine the ground shook when his body hit the earth. And Babylon the great thinks it's too big to fail, but it will fail and fall. The Bible says pride goes before a fall. Nobody and nothing is immune from falling. The Bible says if any man thinks he stand, take heed lest he fall. Great leaders can fall into scandal or fall into the grave in death. Same thing applies to institutions that people think it's too big to fail. It's like, think of American institutions that you think that'll never fail. This last week I was reading in the newspaper about a famous chain of restaurants and motels that at one time was an American institution. Anybody remember Howard Johnson's? They had 1,000 restaurants and 400 motels with those orange roofs. I remember I stayed in one in Princeton. The last Howard Johnson closed their doors recently. Too big to fail? It did. No more Howard Johnson's. What if there were no more McDonald's? There are far more of those, but that could go the way of Howard Johnson's. What about Sears Roebuck, another American institution, biggest chain of department stores? There are none anymore. What about Kmart? There, Most of them are closing their doors. We had three of them in Springfield, and they're all shut down. Then for about 50 years, the biggest chain of grocery stores was A&P. You remember? That's where our family went. The great Atlantic and Pacific Tea Company, there are no more. An American institution crumbled. And then think of big institutions today that are even bigger, and you say they'll never fall Amazon, Tesla, eBay, Facebook, Microsoft, Walmart, General Motors. All of those could crumble and fall. My point is all institutions are only temporary, and if they are not based upon the rock of God's word, they will all eventually crumble, just like mystery Babylon. And then the Bible is a historical book that records other empires that have come and in pride saying, we will never fall. But they all did. Egypt, Assyria that conquered northern Israel, Babylon that conquered southern Israel, Babylon was conquered by the Persians and the Persian Empire was conquered by the Greek Empire under Alexander the Great and that fell under the Roman Empire that lasted for hundreds of years, the biggest empire in history up to that point. It fell to the Vandals and the Goths and others, other barbarians. And then other empires, Napoleon conquered most of Europe and he met his doom at Waterloo. What about the great British Empire? They used to brag and say the sun never sets on the British Empire because it had colonies and dominions all around the world and wherever the sun would go, it would still be shining on some part of the British Empire. Think about it. The original American colonies. Canada, Australia, India, about a third of Africa, even parts of South America and islands all around the world. And then after World War II... England gave freedom to virtually all of them. And now you have the British Commonwealth, but that's not an empire. It's a voluntary, loose association. And even some of them, like Canada, are thinking of pulling out. So what's left? Well, England, Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland, the United Kingdom. But its, it's great empire is no more. Nazi Germany. Adolf Hitler Goose-stepped and strutted around bragging, the Third Reich will last a thousand years. It didn't last a thousand weeks. It fell very suddenly. The Soviet Union lasted 70 years, and some of us remember the Cold War, says, will it ever fall? It did, 1989. Even communism in China is compromised with capitalism, but it too could fall. So all these empires will fall and as I've said from time to time even the most prosperous economic empire in the history of the world could fall the United States of America. Old Testament Babylon was destroyed and all these other empires crumbled and as it says here Babylon the ancient Babylon was destroyed and it became a uh, it's just like ruins where scavenging animals lived. And look at the text here. It says, it'll be a prison for every foul spirit and demons will inhabit this mystery Babylon that will one day fall. Verse 3, all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Kings of the earth have committed fornication with her and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. So this evil empire called Mystery Babylon personified as a prostitute cooperated with the evil kings and they committed immorality with her and with the economic powers. Notice that in this in, previous, in subsequent verses. They use each other. Of course that happens everywhere. Good governments, bad governments are dealing with big companies. You may have seen it on TV from 60 something years ago. Uh, President Eisenhower's last uh, televised address, and he warned about the military-industrial complex. He says a lot of them are simply trying to be war mongers to get money out of that. And that's right, conservative and liberal businessmen, just like they're doing business with Mystery Babylon and the Antichrist. Happened with Nazi Germany. Let me think of two companies that were major companies back then that funded the rise of the Third Reich and in turn they became wealthy off of it. They became wealthy off of slave labor in the death camps, such as IG Farben, which was the major drug company. They are the ones that supplied Zyklon B gas to Auschwitz. IG Farben is still in existence. And then there was another company in the 1930s in Germany that even Hitler got involved with and said, I'm going to help design an inexpensive car that every German can own. And it did. It multiplied them by the millions. And he says, it'll be the people's car, or in German, Volkswagen. And they were still in existence. They cooperated with the Third Reich. Anyway... It says here that the businessmen and all the kings of the earth and all the empires will cooperate with Mystery Babylon. They use each other, just like in business and in politics and education, people climbing the corporate ladder, climbing the pyramid of power for three main things, money, power, and ideology. But they'll all crumble like Mystery Babylon will. Even though they think it's too big to fail, it will. What does God say? Verse 4. God says, come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, and lest you receive of her plague. So he's warning them, it's going to fall, get out. And God has often said that in Scripture. It says back in Genesis chapter 12, God spoke to Abraham when he was a a pagan idolater in Ur of the Chaldees. Abraham, get up and leave. And he became a believer in the one true God. Then fast forward to Genesis 19, when Abraham was still living in Canaan, dominated by Canaanites and their evil religion. And his relative Lot and his family were living in the heart of that, in a town called Sodom, from which we get the evil word sodomy. And God sent two angels in there and said, Lot, get out, come out of her. And he was reluctant to, and the angels had to drag him and the family out. And then God rained fire and brimstone upon Sodom and Gomorrah and the other cities. Get out before judgment comes. That's what God says to his people. Get out of Babylon. Judgment is coming. God said that to Christians in the 60s, a generation after Jesus was on earth... And there was the Roman siege around Jerusalem. And there were still Christians there. But they woke up and as it were, they heard the echo of Jesus' words from Matthew 24. When you see the city besieged, get out. And they did. And not a single Christian died in the siege. And over a million Jews did die. Get out. It's doomed to destruction. Then, of course, we know how Revelation will culminate. God will not only say get out but he'll say come here and he will take all of his children out of earth and then Jesus comes and decimates everybody else that's on earth that are his enemies. He'll say come up here my people, in other words, come out of her. And that's what happens when a person is saved. God sends out irresistible call into the sinner's heart and says come out of that evil world system, come to me. And he pulls them out irresistibly and transfers them from the kingdom of man and of Antichrist into the kingdom of God. And puts them in the bride of Christ. doesn't end there. We're in the world but not of it. But unfortunately sometimes the world gets in us and God says come out of the world. It takes wisdom to be in the world but not of the world. Brethren, we're in both kingdoms and we shouldn't let it spoil us. God calls on us to come out of other evil Babylonian systems, whatever they are. Political, economic, social, religious, whatever. Let me show you some verses that I hope you have studied. So turn with me very briefly back to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. These are verses that are often preached on in some churches and unfortunately ignored in others. Maybe I'll do a whole message on it sometime. 2 Corinthians 6 God says what agreement has the temple of God with idols for you are the temple of the living God as God has said I will dwell in them and walk among them I will be their God they shall be my people therefore look at this come out from among them and be separate says the Lord do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you I'll be a father to you and you shall be my sons and my daughters says the Lord God almighty come out from among them and be separate Thank God that there are still churches that believe in separation. We are in the world, but not of the world. We need to be separate from anything that would make us part of the world. Yes, we can be like Daniel and be like salt and light in various institutions in this world, but we have to be careful that it doesn't drag us down and make us part of the world. We need to be separate from that in various ways. For example, a very obvious one is that Bible believing churches should separate from apostate denominations and institutions like certain apostate seminaries, mission boards, and say, You have apostatized. We are separating from them. We don't separate from other Bible believers, but from those that have apostatized. That's just one of many examples. Some people unfortunately misunderstand the example of Daniel and others and say, We should be part of it as light and, and salt. Yes. But then they end up compromising too much and become part of this system and they don't realize how easy it is to get sucked into that. And they say we're engaging them. Unfortunately, their engagement ends up in a marriage rather than a divorce and they end up doing more harm to themselves than good that they do in those societies. My point is, brethren, we need to have wisdom and learn how to be separate lest we be infected. You parents know about that. And, of course, you hear about quarantining with COVID and other things. You need to protect your children and separate them from certain ungodly influences. Look what God says. Come out of her, lest you share in her sins, lest you receive of her for plagues. Verse 5 and 6. For her sins have reached up to heaven like smoke from Sodom and Gomorrah. It's come up as an evil stench, and God has remembered her iniquities. Render to her just as she rendered to you and repair double according to her works. In the cup which she has mixed, mixed double for her. So God says he sees her sins and will punish her one day. Why is this mystery Babylon portrayed as an immoral woman? Because, as it says over and over in these chapters, she is compared with a prostitute that is committing immorality with the nations and with the Antichrist. And in a way with all Christians, sin is like spiritual adultery and immorality. And God sees it and he says, her sins have reached up to me and I will repay her double. The Bible says, what you sow, you will reap. Now every farmer, such as the farmers next door, know when you plant a seed, you get more than what you plant. That's why it says, repair a double. You plant one little seed, you're going to end up with maybe a... a Half a dozen stalks of corn that you can eat. Repay her double. What you sow you will reap. And God says I will repay her double. Romans 12 says. Quoting God. Vengeance is mine. I will repay. And that applies to the sins of all people. Not just this mystery Babylon. We may not live to experienced Babylon and her fall, but all sinners are under the judgment of God. God sees all the sins of all sinners. He writes them in his book, and he writes next to that, I will repay, because he is a holy and just God. Nobody ever gets away with sin. There are hardened criminals that think, I got away with it. Now think about that. There are people that have committed murder and still walk in the street. They never got caught or maybe on a technicality they are able to walk. And they think crime pays. I got away with it. I'm Mr. Cool. No, you'll have to answer to God. And people in, around the world that are unconverted think I've gotten away with my sin. And I can ignore these fundamentalist fire-breathing preachers that say you can answer to God. I've gotten away with it. Just you wait. God says, Vengeance is mine. I will repay. And so he says, Render to Mystery Babylon just as she has rendered to you and repay her double. Nobody gets away with sins. They are either forgiven when we believe in Jesus or they are punished at Judgment Day if we do not. What about you? On what side of God's ledger do you stand? Forgiven? Or facing judgment, like Mystery Babylon. It continues, verses 7 and 8, in the measure that she is, that she glorified herself and lived luxuriously. In the same measure, give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen and am no widow. I will not see sorrow. Therefore, her plagues will come in one day. Death and mourning and famine and She will be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judges her. So in her pride, Mystery Babylon says, I'm unconquerable. She's boasting, like various empires and businesses that say, we're too big to fall. Oh, yeah, they will fall. Just think about it. All ungodly persons, institutions, whatever, will all crumble under the judgment of God. Satan, Antichrist, Babylon, world leaders, false prophets, false churches. They're all puny and tiny compared to God. And in their sinful boasting, they think nothing can make us crumble. And it says several times in the book of Psalms He that sits in the heavens shall laugh. And that applies to proud sinners now that mock God. You've seen them. I've seen them in the open air when we evangelize. They mock God. You see it on television, late night comedians. You see it on the internet. Sometimes you want to run and say, I can't stand any more of this mocking of God. And they think they can get away with it. But again, God thunders. Just you wait. Vengeance is mine. I will repay. He will. And it says here, shall fall in one day. And there'll be death and mourning and famine utterly burned with fire. Now I won't read all of the next section, verses 9 to 20, but it says here that the kings of the earth that committed this fornication with her and lived luxuriously and they all used each other and become wealthy. And it says they will weep and lament for her when they see Babylon falling. And they, they say it happened so suddenly and now they're losing out on their business and their luxury. Does this strike you as something wrong with this picture? Here they're all crying. You can imagine politicians and businessmen, kings walking through the street, weeping. Oh, mystery Babylon has fallen, and and now we're going to be poor. And you know, you want to comfort someone that's mourning the death of someone, but there's something wrong with this picture. That they've committed immorality with her and now. She does. that would be like an immoral husband that's weeping because his favorite prostitute has died. You'd say, buddy, something's wrong with that. You shouldn't have been with her in the first place. Or, as I've heard policemen say, sometimes they go to a call with someone's phone, they show up and a guy is crying. Well, what's wrong, buddy? Somebody, drug dealer, stole my stash of drugs. Wait, why are you weeping over that? You shouldn't have been doing it in the first place. And then I thought of another gross example on Friday after the Supreme Court announced their ruling overthrowing Roe v. Wade. Did you see the riots and even women weeping? Weeping because they're no longer able to kill their babies? What kind of a twisted mind do they have to say, this is wrong. They should be dancing in the streets as Christians were. Anyway, when Mystery Babylon falls and this evil empire falls. All these people that got wealthy off of committing immorality with her are going to be mourning. Something's wrong with that. It's like a Mormon or a Muslim or a is weeping because their nice little place of evil worship is burnt down. They shouldn't be weeping. We're be celebrating, but people see things upside down and backwards. For example, it says here in these subsequent verses, many of the people who became wealthy off of Mystery Babylon were mourning their financial loss. Now, we would if say um, you lost all your stock holdings or your house burnt down you didn't have insurance. Of course, that's legitimate, but for non-Christians, they may be rich but spiritually poor and all they've got is their money so they mourn and they weep if they lose it all. And it can come suddenly like the fall of Babylon, like the Wall Street crash in October 1929, and multimillionaires had everything wiped out in one day, and they were jumping from skyscrapers because that's all they had. So it says the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn. Verse 11 and goes through these lists of everything that they will lose, and mystery Babylon is lost. Talk about a major economic crisis. But I call your attention to what's at the end of this list, verse 13. All these various commodities and luxuries. And it says they, they traded with Mystery Babylon, this great empire, for, for food and cattle and sheep. And it says, and the bodies and souls of men. They treated human beings just like commodities on the open market. That's what it was in ancient Roman Empire. Did you know that at the height of the Roman Empire at the time of the New Testament, there were approximately 60 million slaves. What an evil empire it was. Praise God that it came crumbling down one day. But there are other institutions that treat men no different than these other commodities. They'll love their pets more than a human being down the street. And they some of these systems want to treat people like this and make them their slaves, not literal slaves, but to get money out of them, to sell them goods, like it says here, to the various other Babylonian systems. And I'll go on record as saying that was the history of Roman Catholicism. That the average Catholic was a slave to that evil religious system thinking this is how I make it to heaven by crawling on on the ground doing penance and all. They were like slaves until God raised up the Protestant Reformation and said you don't need to be slaves of that anymore. What about the souls of men and the bodies of men? What about the Roman Catholic Inquisition that murdered tens of thousands of people even before the Reformation? Fortunately, it's not murdering many people like it used to, but as it says in the Bible, all evil systems will collapse one day. You see, there's spiritual slavery, not just in false religions and empires, but in this invisible empire of Babylon run by the devil. You see, everything that's evil just doesn't want your money. It just doesn't want your body. It wants you. The devil wants you, and these are just simply fingers on the hands of the devil trying to take everything he can. You notice it says, in one hour, it'll fall suddenly, just like the Wall Street crashes. Anybody remember a notorious name in the business world, well, it was about 20 years ago, Enron? One of the biggest energy corporations in America, based in Houston, Texas, and within weeks its stock fell from, I forgot what it was, like five fifty five a share down to like $0.10 cents a share. And the leaders were arrested for corruption and so forth. It just, it fell so suddenly. And go back to what I was mentioning in Genesis 19. The empire of the Canaanites centered in Sodom and Gomorrah. And there was Lot and his family there. And the angel said, get out. And then God rained fire and brimstone on it suddenly on Sodom and Gomorrah. So it says in one hour, Babylon will fall. And then, of course, when the Lord Jesus comes, it'll all crumble at the second coming. But in one hour, in other words, suddenly and unexpectedly. And the Bible says not only will Jesus come in an hour, we do not expect and it will come suddenly in the twinkling of an eye. That same principle happens in each individual life when they die suddenly. See, it may build up with a, a, a fatal disease but when that moment comes to die, it comes very quickly and often unexpectedly. We need to be ready. And then it says that all these evil sinners will mourn the fall of mystery Babylon, but Christians and angels will rejoice. And that'll be the theme of next week's lesson in the first few verses of chapter 20. Back to the text here, look at verse 21. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence the great city of Babylon shall be thrown down, and shall not be found anymore. The sound of harpists, musicians, flutists, trumpeters, what an orchestra, shall be heard in you anymore. No craftsman of any craft shall be found in you anymore. And the sound of the millstone shall not be heard in you anymore. The light of a lamp shall not shine in you anymore. And the voice of the bridegroom and the bride." and the bride shall not be hurting you anymore. Notice what I'm emphasizing. It's final. Your merchants were the great men of the earth, for their, by your sorcery all the nations were deceived, and in her was found the blood of prophets and saints, and of all who were slain on the earth. It'll all come crumbling down. Notice that in this evil empire of Babylon, there was music. God created music for worship and Legitimate enjoyment. I enjoy good music. Most music. There's some music even I can't enjoy. But I enjoy a wide variety of music. I appreciate real talent. But as in Mystery Babylon, music can be abused, not to glorify God, but to lead into sin with sex, sensual and sexual temptations, for example. Music can be misused. In various empires, for example, one thing that really got the Nazis going at their large gatherings there in, in Nazi Germany was the music and the marching, and it became mass hysteria when they would sing the Horst Wessel Song or Deutschland, Deutschland, uber alles, and they'd go marching to the songs. Mystery Babylon will have its marching anthems as well to lure and to entertain and to inspire its followers But God says, one day it will be not heard anymore. Look at something else. Verse 23, it says that in this evil system, it was conquering people with sorcery. It says, by sorcery all the nations were deceived. We've alluded to that earlier in the book of Revelation. The Bible utterly condemns all forms of the occult, including sorcery. Deuteronomy 18.10 mentions it by name. Galatians 5.20, written in Greek, uses the word pharmakia, translated as sorcery, because in ancient lands they would do occult practices and cast spells under the spell of drugs. And that's, they've been often mingled, and American Indians used peyote plants to go into trances. In other words, so evidently Mystery Babylon one day will proliferate sorcery and bring people into evil demonic realms you remember I warned you about this. The Bible strictly forbids all form of occultism, Ouija boards, witchcraft, everything, Harry Potter. The whole bunch, it's all evil, comes from the devil and it's part of Mystery Babylon. Then lastly, verse 24, it says the word God reads out the final indictment and says, In her was found the blood of not just millions of people, but even the prophets And holy ones from God, the saints. Ancient Babylon killed many Jews. The Romans killed many Christians and Jews. Roman Catholic Inquisition killed many Christians. So whatever form Babylon has ever taken it's bloodthirsty. It's killed and will kill Christians, God's people. And other evil political religious systems have as well. Nazism, communism, Islam... And as Augustine says, that characterizes the city of man. The kingdom of man is the kingdom of the devil. And the devil is never satisfied in his bloodlust. But God has recorded it all. He's seen it. God will execute his justice one day on Mystery Babylon, the kingdom of the Antichrist. He will execute capital punishment on all unrepentant sinners. And as I said, lost sinners think it'll never happen because they don't see it. And they'll have the audacity to say, I don't see God, therefore God doesn't exist. They'll laugh at us when we talk about judgment day, sin, and so forth. And they say it haven't, hasn't happened yet. Ah, oh, this second coming is nonsense. Maybe you've heard the old saying, and I like it. The wheels of God's justice roll slowly, but they grind exceedingly fine. It's like a millstone grinding the flour. Go slowly, but it will come one day. We were in the kingdom of God, but we're still on earth, surrounded by the kingdom of man, mystery Babylon, Antichrist, all evil systems. It's not only easy to get lured into that, because it's a prostitute. Prostitutes are very alluring to people. But even if we're not lured into it, brethren, it's so easy to get envious of that. You turn on the television, internet, whatever, and you hear about evil people not only getting away with sin and crime, but becoming wealthy and famous and powerful. And who are we? We become envious. see, I wish I had that much money. They're driving a Cadillac or a Rolls Royce, and I'm driving a 20-year-old Ford that leaks oil. And they get all these expensive clothes and power and everything. And me, I'm just barely able to get by. It's easy to get envious of the system of Mystery Babylon. Listen to these two verses from Psalm 73.3. I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Why are they getting ahead and I'm not? Why isn't God punishing them? And here I'm barely getting by having trouble in my family and my health, and yet they're not going through that. Listen to what it says later in verse 17. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. Surely you set them in slippery places. You cast them down to destruction. He saw it from God's perspective And that's why God gave us the book of Revelation to say, all this is going to crumble one day. Don't envy it. Don't get part of it. Come out from that and don't envy it. Why? Because it's doomed to destruction. Some of you have read the great book *Pilgrim's Progress*, best-selling book ever written in the English language, written almost 400 years ago by the great John Bunyan. And the story begins by a man about a man. It's all symbolic. Who's living in a certain city with his family, and he can't sleep at night. He's feeling guilty. He has a burden on his back, and he hears a voice that says, "Leave the city of destruction. Get out, because judgment is coming upon that house in your city." And he runs away and says, I don't want to die, I don't want to be destroyed in the city of destruction. And then a messenger points him to the cross and he gets saved and he ends up in this celestial city. So it's like Augustine said, it's a tale of two cities like Dickens' famous novel. The city of man, ancient Babylon and modern Babylon, is a city of destruction. And God says, get out of her. Come out of her, my people. And he invites, he commands lost sinners, get out of it. Transfer your allegiance from mystery Babylon, the kingdom of the devil, and immigrate, defect over to the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I will add, you'll be sorry if you don't, and you'll be glad if you do. Which city do you belong in? Mystery Babylon or the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, much of this chapter is hard to understand, but one thing is clear. All evil systems, past, present, future, if they're evil, they will collapse. And yet we have a kingdom That will never fall. For we follow the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord of Lords. The King of Kings. And he is God Almighty. And he will crush all of his enemies. And destroy all of their evil empires. Eventually. At his return to planet earth. Come Lord Jesus. Come. And reign over this world. In Jesus name. Oh man